This is episode 121. The Ultimate Deck Podcast. Need a show about outdoor living? This is where it's at with your host, Shane Chapman and Way Lorette. Thank you for tuning in. Now let the show begin. Yeah, yeah. The Ultimate Deck Podcast. Let's go. Almost sounded depressed there. I'm not in my swing of things. It's not Friday. This is messing my whole day up. It's hump day. We're not supposed to have to do this shit today. Come on, Bryce. Sorry. What? What are you doing on Friday? It's so damn important that we couldn't do the podcast at the normal Ooh, time. Oh, he's going to make him tell. Whoa. It's throwing off my whole week. Because when you hired me to be full-time here, I had other commitments. <sighs> One of them being my daughter. What if we hadn't hired you? Would you have been available on Friday still? No, I would have <laughs> changed it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fine. Okay. Well, we're back here. Way chain brace. Uh, not actually that bummed about it. Just like the way I said that at the start, sounded like I was. So I figured I had to play into it and... <laughs> It's official. I'm here. Whatever. It is official. I'm Bryce. Oh, this is the ultimate deck shop. Yeah, yeah. This is the first one with the official Bryce there. Now I need my name in the. So opening. since Bryce has yeah. started with us, he has demanded two monitors and an HDMI cable and some what else? Power bars and some power bars. Apparently, we were sufficiently under cabled in this place and powered. Ugh. And Shane told me yesterday that I've used the whiteboard more yesterday than anybody has in the building. hundred percent all year last year. Oh, Juanita wrote on her whiteboard a few times. Yeah. A few times. He's like, I wrote on it. He's and filled it and erased it a couple times already <laughs> and refilled it. Cause he was like poorly organized the first time he wrote it down. No, that's just ideas. Yeah. Oh, I see. Bah, 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 bah. Hey, look at the screen. You got we, this, yeah. this podcast is getting super technical. Now we have a TV now that shows us like all the inner workings of this place. We can see the most engaged people. Is that today or is that ever today? Today, the most engaged watchers, Mitcon decks, illuminated balustrade and deck protect ink. Deck protect ink was in the chat last night, right? Yes, he was. I saw him show up there a couple of times. We had a big, uh, big shindig there last night with our friends, the bro laws. Pretty fun. Because they wanted to do a podcast about, not a podcast, an Instagram live about lumber pricing and what's all behind this crazy volatile lumber pricing. And um, when they posted about it the other day, we replied and we're like, yeah, be ready for some more. And they're like, wait, these guys have some insights. Maybe we should do a thing together. So we did a live video last night and we explained as far as like, I'm not going to complain. We know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to claim, complain. I'm not going to claim claim that we know everything, but we gave our insights as to what we do know as to what affected the price of lumber last year and this year. And yeah, and, based uh, on what we've been told by our guys, right? We, uh, we talked about it a bunch and had like 300 people. I probably in that thing, like fifties consistently in there mm -hmm. interacting. It was great. I had a lot of fun. Yeah. We like, we get along great with those guys too. So wouldn't matter what the topic was. We could make some fun with it. So, yep. Anyway, if you missed that, they I believe they posted it on the at bro laws uh, Instagram account, they put it up as an IGTV live recording. So if you want to watch that, you can. Mm -hmm. I didn't watch it. Did you watch it? The I was there. I, I know. was in it. There. Listen, <laughs> did you watch is, it again? This is my <laughs> argument for why I don't listen to our podcast the second time. I was there the first time we did it. That's true. Yeah. So no, I didn't. Well, I, I went back to see, like, that's, I guess it's a bit of a lie. I watched a little bit of it. I went back to see, like, how things are going. You know what I actually did? I went back to watch the start before we came in. Yeah, yeah. And they were shit-talking us. Were they? Yeah. A little bit. A little bit of shit-talking about how we weren't there and whatever. But anyway. That's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> Bryce, are you ready? 
Uh, nope. No. No. You, can you see, know what? We it's gotta... mostly because I can't find anything. <laughs> okay, we well, were going to, we should, okay, so we were going to troll them. We can. I probably could. Can you? Probably. You try and find something. We haven't even said who's going to be on yet today, but. Um, anyway, the conversation last night was very interactive. There's a lot of people in there talking all sorts of stuff. We had our, you know, some of our famous uh, Instagrammers on there that have an opinion about lumber, such as Precision Construction, Big Steel Guy, oh, Sim yeah. Cordex, Big Steel Guy, Big Steel Guy now. Mm-hmm. Um, Fresh Steel Guy. I had some pretty strong opinions from Marty, from Roasted Right. From the guy who sells coffee. His opinion all, like, just smeared and injected all over the feed. You know what they say about opinions. And uh, so it was good. We interacted a lot with a lot of people, and there's a lot of questions. So uh, we did good. But out of that, out of that came... Today's topic. So why wouldn't you just go to why wouldn't you just go to simco.com? Wait a way to blow it, Wade. <laughs> what it doesn't matter. Like you know your mic is still hot, right? They're gonna know. Don't worry. They're not gonna live. They dying. won't know. Nobody tunes in until know. the ten minute mark anyways. Not gonna know. <laughs> Our live just died. Bad internet today. Oh, uh, so frustrating. <laughs> anyways. Call these people. Um, so anyway, the, what came of this is that we decided we had a topic today that we pushed back last week because we, Steen Woodworking came by, by. popped by to a a podcast. And so we were going to delay our episode to this week. And then we thought, what the hell, there was such a big response on the whole lumber conversation last night that we thought, well, maybe we should dive into this lumber thing a little bit more. Yeah. And so Sim Codex was on the live giving his two cents left, right and center as well. Mm Mm-hmm. And we thought, well, he's a guy who has recently made the switch to steel. We've had Scott Kelly on here before, who is the godfather of steel framing. Mm-hmm. Had a good two-hour-long conversation with him. And so now we thought, well, let's continue this conversation, but with a guy who's a, you know, the rookie in the steel game and just kind of getting into it, but has mm-hmm. made the decision to kind of go full steel and not work the wood anymore. Yeah. So we said, hey, Mike. What you doing tomorrow? He's like, not much, not much. You want to be on the podcast? Well, you, I'm always game. I'm always game, he says. Okay. <laughs> I said, okay, well, we could do it tomorrow afternoon if you like. Well, you guys don't have a topic, he says. And I says, no, I got a topic because I had it from last week. It yeah. pushed. But if you'd like to, you could, we could do the podcast tomorrow. I was like, you're probably not busy. <laughs> right? Probably not Because you're new in the game. <laughs> probably not busy. Because you probably, you know, you probably pissed off every lumber yard in your town. Nobody will sell you stuff anymore. Yep. This is a, is a joke from is a joke from last night's uh, grind the lumber yards conversation he was getting into. Mm-hmm. So anyway, with that said, we bring in Mike back and we thought, like, have I chewed up enough time here yet, Bryce? Like, oh, yeah, good yeah. lord. Yeah, yeah. Was, I thought, just wait. Like, I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore here. I know. You so just we thought, keep talking. in honor of Michael Scott from Simcoe Dex being in the podcast for at least this one episode, we would bring back... The Simcoe News. One day only. So, who's going to read it? Bryce is going to read it. What do we got? Are you guys both looking up Simcoe News? Nope. I was checking the phone calls I missed. Oh, okay. Bryce, what's happening in Simcoe? What's happening in Simcoe? We have done a lot of shoveling. Wait, how? what was the old theme? That? What's happening, happening in, in Simcoe? Simcoe. Oh, that was it, right? <laughs> yeah. So that was the, from the Brolas. The uh, Aurelia <laughs> couple gives back on the ice. Helen and Reed Ellis are heading out of their home at villages of Lake Hawk Point towards the lake, armed with shovels and a gas power snowblower. 
to help local retirees clean a large rectangular path of the Old Bay Brewery so you can go ice skating. Yay! How fun is that? So in Simcoe, they have the old people shovel the ice. Yeah. That's good. This is why. This is why we stopped doing it. This keeps, is why uh, we stopped doing this. <laughs> it keeps uh, keeps them healthy, you know? That's right. That's and great. then all the kids don't have to do any work. And we all know that millennials don't like doing work. So this works really well. The old people like working. That's right. You're going to want to get that number dialed up real soon. <laughs> we're going to end up we're going to end up at the end of Simcoe uh, News real fast. Here. A missing woman was found. That's good. Are you connected to this? Yeah. Good. A missing woman was found. Well, there's some good news. A missing woman was found. Uh, alive? Yeah, alive. Okay. Cocaine and weapons were found yeah. at an Aurelia traffic stop. This is what happens in Simcoe. When I was reading the news, it was like all kinds of drug this busts. This is horrible. Yeah, drug busts and everybody had COVID. Uh, I believe a new cannabis store opened. Toke <laughs> Cannabis opened in downtown Midland. Yes! There we go. Good Lord. Right? Because they were catching so many drug dealers, they thought, why not just sell it ourselves? Let's collect tax on this. Exactly. We yeah. got to pay for the Serb somehow. It's, it's all about drugs. I know. What is going on there? <laughs> <laughs> Even I'm about to turn this podcast off. Okay, let's let's get off. <laughs> Unless you guys want to know what the local Sobeys is giving away. Oh, what are they giving away? They're giving things away? No, they're not. Well, this ought to be good. They have a sale? I don't know. Well, we should let at least let Mike know. What they're giving away. So he can, like, he's the one guy who could take advantage of this. Right. Hey, Mike. Hey, how's it going? Is you there? Uh, oh, I'm here. Oh, I welcome. have nothing to do today. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, right? <laughs> we knew that. Uh, did you know that your local... Four, four lumber yards and nobody would sell me anything. They won't talk to you anymore. The door <laughs> just gets locked when you pull up in your truck. You should take the... the the decals off your truck. Is it decal or decal? Yeah, I'm going to have to I now. I call it decals. Decals. Did but you know that your local Sobeys has a wicked sale on this week? Oh, no, I've been there. Yeah, good. You can get 1,500 bonus air miles. <laughs> what you should do is take their flyer to the other grocery store and see if you can get a better price. <laughs> Grind I, them down. It's not just decking. I do it with everything. <laughs> Sweet. How you doing, man? Good, you guys? Good. It's been a long time coming. I didn't look this stat up, but I don't... What episode were you on before? You probably know this. I think it was like... 62 or something? Ah, hell, that's not that bad. Whoa. Only 61 episodes Actually, ago. it was 60. 60 episodes ago. What? I'm 61? actually on your new website here checking it out. Oh, beauty. How is it? So, how's the there, experience? <laughs> <laughs> Tough to grind a website, right? Yeah. Where's the <laughs> negotiate button? Yeah. <laughs> when you log in, it'll appear just for you. Uh, I keep on trying to log in with Simcoe Dex and it won't let me log in. Yeah, that might be, might maybe sort of on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> There's a filter. There's a filter on guys like you. Yeah. Um, I don't blame you. So this, this episode came uh, quick. Like we had a discussion last night. We were just talking about the, uh, whatever you want to call it, the IG Live with the bro laws last night about the lumber pricing. And of course, mm-hmm, mm-hmm inadvertently some of that was going to lead to some steel discussion during it, but yeah. you and you were driving that in that conversation as, yeah. as was Scott. And so we thought, well, what better time to have this conversation again? Cause it's been, I don't know what episode we did with Scott 70 something. I don't know. Yeah. No, 90, 90, 91, 90. I think it was right. So it's been a little bit too, but it's time because the season's coming upon us and people are quoting decks and lumber pricing continues to rise. And so uh, you're a guy who's kind of made the decision somewhat recently that you're not going to use wood framing anymore. You're going to go all out on steel. 
And so that's, I think you're going to do it, do it. Yeah. I think there's a lot of guys that are probably where you were six months ago, kind of thinking about it. And so I thought maybe it would be good. Not only to get, like we had the Godfather Scott talk about like a guy who's been there and done it for a lot of years, whatever. But now we can get some perspective from somebody who's recently made the decision and kind of find out the whys and the, what the things to consider from somebody who's a little bit more fresh in the switch. Yeah. Like Scott won't remember some of the challenges with switching over. Scott can barely remember his middle name half the time. This dude is like a rock and I don't mean tough. I mean old. (laughs) Should we do a quick little tally on how many times Scott's name is mentioned on this podcast? We should, you know what we should do? We should go get some scotch. And every time we say his name, this we should we should connect this to my hotspot, Bryce. We're having internet troubles again today. This has been like we've become famous for this now. It's awful. So, um, so Mike, before we get started though, because uh, like you're famous, but not like not Brad Pitt famous. So why don't you tell us no. a little bit about yourself? Like uh, Brad Pitt's stunt double. Yeah, kind of, right? The guy, like, recognize yeah. the face, no idea what the name is, right? So yeah, exactly. why don't you give us a bit of a rundown on where you're from, who you are, what you do, what your business is, all the ins and outs before we get into the discussion. Absolutely. Um, so my name is Mike. Uh, I own Simcoe Decks. We build decks in Simcoe County. Um. So basically, I've been in carpentry for uh, for quite a while, um, ten plus years, um, and then I kind of transitioned out on my own and decided, um, you know, I did some basements and some kitchens, a couple of decks here and there. Yeah, decided decks was what I loved doing. It was outdoors all the time. Um, at that time, it was a lot smaller project, so I was normally in and out in a week. Yeah. Um, I, I had no problem collecting uh, money or anything because you're, you're in and out so quick. Not that I have any issues now, but uh, it's a little bit different game back then. It was all pressure treated, uh, getting to know everything. Um, and at that time, I kind of like just started on Instagram as well. Um, right. So that was like a, a huge help. Um, you know, it kind of just expedited the process of learning different tips and tricks and different products to try and to look at um and then you couple that with you know deck expo and nadra and deck specialist and all these uh other uh companies that are trying to bring the industry together and everything like that and they kind of put so much information right at your uh your fingertips yeah um so i think that really you know help uh expedited our uh our business um and what we do um and then we also our whole focus is just on quality. We're not a, a mass uh, volume builder. I don't ever want to be doing five, six projects at a time, doing builder decks or anything like that. Um, my whole business is based on quality and just giving my customer exactly what they want, which is a, a great low maintenance product that's going to kind of last forever. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that there's likely uh a consensus around the Instagram community that that has been the best thing about it is it has allowed everybody to share ideas and, and help Excel and be better. Right. Like you were saying, you, you got started on Instagram and learned some tips yeah. and tricks. And I, and, uh, this transition of steel is going to be, uh, a very similar story. I believe, I think you're going to talk probably a lot about how Instagram has helped you get there. So, yeah, absolutely. And just like, it brings everything to you like instantly. So, you know, what might've taken, you know, 10, 15 years before to progress, like by the time one guy sees it and then tells his like local buddy, and then he tells like another guy, and 
everything like that. Now Instagram, everything's right in front of you. So if you see a new tip or trick or new product or whatever, you can try it. Then you can put your own spin on it. You can tweak it your own way. Um, and it just it basically, um, like in the last you know five years of the deck building industry, it's kind of just gone crazy with everything that's become available and the things you can do nowadays. It's changing pretty fast. Mm-hmm. So when would you say was the approximate time frame when you started to think about making this transition? How long have you been? January 27th, <laughs> 2020. Perfect. Do you th- no, uh, that- so before last year, we were episode? already looking into steel. <laughs> I was like, that's either Deck Expo. Was that Deck Expo? You like had a conversation there and it was like, that's it. This is yeah. Yeah, so we had we had looked at it um, then, and then kind of in the off season, it's so hard once like you're kind of in the thick of things and going during the year to make a switch. Yeah. Um, and for the most part, most of your jobs are already kind of sold anyway, so it's not like you can just go back and start changing things however you uh, you feel like it. Um, so last year, before the season started, we had seriously considered um, the steel. Basically, you had Trex and Fortress were the, the two well-knowns to everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, they both kind of had their systems. They both had their pros and cons to, uh, to each one. But as been, has been uh, mentioned many, many times is the price difference between the two. Back at the beginning of last year, when you were still, you know, two or three times the, the cost to go to a steel framing, even though it's not two or three times the cost of the whole project, it is still a big jump. And a lot of the times, the things that the customers can't see, they don't really care about, right? Uh, same thing, like, it's hard to sell, like, you know, good quality insulation in a house because the customer never really notices that, right? Yeah. It's certainly harder to sell that than to sell lights. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, what? now tell us a little bit about the history of that. Why... Why was lumber not good enough any for like good enough for your projects anymore? What what were the kind of the barriers you were running into or the issues you were running into that made you even want to start considering the switch to steel? I think like for the most part is just you're building these you're putting these products that are, are coming with at that time twenty five thirty year warranties that are now up to like fifty year warranties on top of a, a product that you can't even warranty the next day type of thing. Um, so that for me was the biggest thing. Like your the majority of your money is being spent on your your decking and your railing and the accessories that go on it, um, and a small portion is being spent on your framing. But in all sense, if you don't have good solid framing and it's not going to last, then everything else doesn't really matter, right? Right. So it, it just it felt it felt kind of shitty. Like when you're putting up these structures and you're doing everything in your power to you know to make them as good as you can. From planing down joists, you know, crowning, grading your lumber, taping them. Um, and you know they're going to last a lot longer than, you know, what a lot of other guys are, uh, are doing, um, potentially. But at the same time, you know it's not, it's not going to be there the life of, uh, of what the composite board's going to be there for, right? Right. Yeah, that's right. What have you found to be, has there been any pushback from your customers when you tell them, and how do you have that conversation? Do you, do you tell them pretty early in the process that, listen, I frame a steel, so you're going to get this? And if so, do you get much pushback from them saying, like, is that necessary? Couldn't you save some bucks here? Um, so I'm a pretty firm believer on don't give your customers a lot of options. 
Um, I've been down that road where I basically carry a bin full of samples and like, Oh, here's five different lines. Here's five different companies that, uh, that make it. Um, you know, you have to explain each one. And I find the more options you give a customer, just the more confused they get. Yep. Um, so we do, uh, like before we even get started with any customers, like we do like a, you know, initial phone call, kind of get a little bit of their information, see what they want, see if they'll be a good fit. Um, and we also produce a deck buying guide, which is about a 30 page document that just shows the different products that we use and why we use them, why they hold up, um, like the warranties and everything that are associated with them. So I find that really helps. Um, we personally never really have any pushback for like why you're using steel opposed to wood framing. The odd time we'll get asked the question, you know, um, can you give us a price for steel framing? Can you give us a price for wood framing? And we just simply say the costs are pretty comparable these days. Um, but unfortunately we don't offer any wood framing, so I can't give you a price on that. Right. Interesting. Okay. Do you find, um, in the people you're talking to, are they getting quotes from elsewhere? And does that ever come up where it's like, well, the other guy's using wood. Do you help that the, do you find that the steel option that you're giving, not option, that the steel you're using is an advantage against the other guys, even if it's maybe a little bit more money? Or do you find some customers are saying, I'm probably going to go with the other guy because I don't value the premium that steel is as much as you're telling me I should. Um, so for the most part, if we're being shopped around, chances are it's probably not, a good fit for us, like client wise. Yeah. Oh, the um, irony of that statement. <laughs> <laughs> Weird. They come to me with 10 different deck quotes and say, Hey, beat yeah. This. yeah. <laughs> but you don't, yeah, like, do, you, so, do you find that like, it sounds like you do a pretty good job of kind of educating the customer first. And like, my guess is that maybe by the time they get through your deck buying guide and talk to you, they're questioning the other guys, not you. Exactly. And that was one of the things that stood out for me um, pretty early on in my business. Um, so our second year in business, um, we were quoting a pretty large job. Well, it was large at that time. And it was, it was about a $50,000 job. Um, and I had great communication with the clients and everything like that. There was a huge comfort level. Um, but one of the things that came up with them was, that the other guy's quotes and everything were a little more detailed than mine. Um, so I made it a point to kind of go revisit our, our quote process and how we kind of handle client intake. And the more value that you can give them up front, um, the more their value they're going to see in you, right? That's right. Yep. Provide value early. Yep. Okay, I want to dive into And some- like... Go ahead. So like even um, like our deck buying guide um, is the document cost us like $500 to put together. But at the same time, we probably send it out to 500, you know, potential clients a year type of thing. And that right away can easily do like a lot of our weeding out as well. Cause if they're seeing, Oh, they're using steel framing, they're using composite, it's, you know, aluminum railing frameless glass or whatever. A lot of clients don't know exactly what a deck's going to cost, but they know if it's going to be something they are, they want or not, right? So I find that as well helps vet the clients to to see if it's going to be a product, and we're going to be a good uh, good fit for one another. 
Right. Yeah. Perfect. I want to jump into some of the comments before they scroll too high here, but we have some questions for you. One from Mitcon Dex here that says, Mike, I see you taping the tops of your joists and beams. Is that to prolong the steel life or for noise or something else? So he watches my Instagram, but he doesn't listen to the videos. That's right. Yeah. Volume off. Nobody does. <laughs> they don't Nobody listen to ours. I got to do the volume up, volume yeah. up. Uh, so it's strictly just, um, so when we 45 our deck boards over top of the joist, the camo clips that we use, there would be just a slight corner of that clip that doesn't cover the joist. Um, so when I look down, I can see bare steel. And to me, that's just not a premium look. And that's why we use joist, joist tape. So on your 90 degree deck board laying, when it's perpendicular yeah. to the joist, you don't tape. Is that right? Yeah, if it's perpendicular, we uh, we don't tape because the clip would uh, would cover the whole thing. We still um, G-tape our beam, and it's for the same thing. Just if you were to look down the deck, um, a black or like a, a darked out surface doesn't stand out the same way a steel surface stands out, right? So, right. Yeah. The next qu- or comment, not question, was from TC Dex. It says, that's really good advice. Don't give the customers a lot of options. That's something that I struggle with, having to bid your decks with 10 different options. So I think... Yeah, see that- and it honestly, it streamlines everything because you only have one option. There's not a, a good, better, best option. Um, most, like, we every year, we've kind of just added to what our minimum standard is. Like, the first year, we would just quote whatever they wanted. Um, then one of our first moves was to go to helical piles and an aluminum railing. Um, and then we've kind of just like progressed over the years to, we know what we want to build. We know what works good for us and we know what the customer is going to like in the long run. Right. Yeah. And a lot of the times, um, like we were quoting a composite deck and, you know, let's just say it's $40,000 for, um, a higher end composite deck, or they could buy an entry level board, and maybe that deck goes down to thirty thousand dollars. Most of those clients are going to just say, "You know what? We're still happy to get a composite deck. Let's go to that, um, you know, lower budget, and we'll save ten thousand um, dollars." Where our business, like, we're not a volume builder. We're built on quality. I can only take on so many projects a year, and I want to do projects that I want to do and that are going to stand out, you know, and stand the test of time. Right. Yep. So when you made that decision, that switch to only do the premium jobs, yep. Um, how much work did you lose in the first year? Um. So you you don't necessarily lose work. It it feels like you're getting a lot less work in, but you're gaining back so much of your time. Um. So one of the other things we've done is we've charged for on-site consultations. So much time everyone you that you can do a podcast in the middle of a day on a Wednesday. <laughs> exactly. That much time. No problem. <laughs> yeah. And still make it to 10 lumber stores today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's like my first year, um, or sorry, second year, the like the busy season hit April, um, like end of March, April. I was out every single night quoting, you know, two, three, maybe four jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I honestly, I had no life. I worked every single weekend um, and I was like sick of it. I looked back at the numbers and in like that month and a half span, I think I quoted like 120, maybe 130 projects. And I probably landed like, 
maybe eight of them type of thing. <laughs> I was going to say so, five. You land five. You did a hundred, you landed five, right? That's like, yeah, exactly. I'm like awful. I always used to just think like, Oh, I can sell anyone. Like if I can just get in front of the client, I'll be able to sell them on my service. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is that nine out of 10 clients just aren't going to be a good fit for you regardless. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the other thing to that and why we only, you know, do certain projects and everything now is those are the type of projects I want to attract. So if I were to do, you know, two or three really nice decks, but then I throw in a couple of pressure treated decks and I throw in a couple of like lower entry level decks, their neighbors and everything, their friends and family see those lower decks that aren't to, to like the high quality that you want to produce. And then that's what they're asking you for. Yep. That's what you get known for. Whereas when you're only producing like high quality work and top end projects, you'd be surprised. Yes. You lose all those $10,000 jobs, those $20,000 jobs, but now you have jobs that are coming in for a hundred thousand, 150,000 and so on. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's a question we used to get asked quite a bit or that people get asked is uh, from people who are going, trying to make the transition you made from doing everything to just attracting those high end clients. And my answer to them a lot of times was just like, how do you attract those clients? And the answer is like, do one, just do whatever it takes to land one of those big ones because it'll result in another one and another one, another one. As soon as you start that chain, then the others just kind of, they find you. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, okay. So, I know there's a lot of guys, you mentioned that you charge for estimates and I want to unpack that a little bit too. Um, so you've made two decisions that would impact the number of calls you're going to get. One, the decision to charge for estimates or for consultations, yep. we should say. And two, the switch to only using premium products. Yep. There's a lot of guys who would love to do what you just did. They think about it all the time and the fear of the phone not ringing as much stops them from doing it. So enjoy other things. Yeah. Just do when it. your phone's not ringing. Right. So yeah, I, so you, you kind of got I, into it a little bit already, but, but talk some guys, pretend you're talking to a couple of guys who are like, I really want to do it, but I can't, my market doesn't allow me to charge. Give us the real lowdown here. Yeah. Sell it to those guys. Yeah. So first of all, if you're in my area, continue doing what you're doing. Uh, <laughs> you guys are doing great. <laughs> Keep waiting no, for the you, lumber. You honestly, you have to you have to set yourself apart, right? And I'm literally the only one, to my knowledge, in my area that charges for estimates. Every other deck builder around here, they'll go out, they'll chase leads all day long. They'll do free estimates. I'm the only one that, uh, in my area, like I said, that I know of that charges for them. Um, and it really just sets the tone right off the, the bat that you're a serious professional. Um, you, you know, you take pride in what you do. You provide value in a service. Um, and if they can't see that, you know, right off the hop, then chances are they're probably wasting your time anyways, whether they know it or not. Yeah. And so I think part of that too is that you don't just decide one day I'm going to start uh, charging more and using better products and charging for estimates without improving yourself too, right? Like some of these guys, they're... Yeah, you're going you're, you're gonna to have to eat a couple of projects, unfortunately. Do a couple extra details, throw in a couple of things. You know what? Like throw in uh, some lights or something like that. Go a little above and beyond and you'd be surprised how much uh, those dollars are going to come back and uh, just help you and catapult you further uh, further along, right? Yeah, and I mean more from this perspective, like you're going to have to invest in yourself a little bit too 
like you just said, you created a guide. It costs you 500 bucks to do, but you've got this guide now. Like you, you might have to look at certain, to, like if you want to be the high end guy, you're gonna have to start acting like a high end guy a little bit too, right? You can't just quote a bunch of jobs Absolutely. by showing up with a tape measure and be like, yeah, it's going to be a couple grand. And then think that tomorrow you show up and be like, that's ah, going to be 28 grand. Like you have yeah. to deliver a little bit more too and give yourself a more professional appearance. But I think I should, I think you've been like from the day I met you, you've been really good at doing that, like digging beyond surface level stuff and, and knowing your numbers and crunching stuff down and, and having the right marketing materials and everything. So I guess for those yeah, guys, like, so go ahead. If you were like, you know, quoting against, let's just say you're quoting against three other guys, those guys, both, they just show up. They don't really ask any questions beforehand. They show up, they show up with a couple of different samples. Yeah. We'll get you a, a quote in a couple of days and they give you a quote a week later that says, yeah, you're $28,000 and we're going to build you a composite deck. Right. Um, whereas I'll give them plenty of information to go off of before I've even stepped foot on their property. Um, so they're already more educated. They can see some of the different products that we use. Um, they know they can see different projects that we've done already. They know what our clients have said about us in the past and everything. We're just setting the tone before when we get there. And most of the time, like to be honest with you, most of the time I don't even need to go to a site to close on a deal. Um, whether this be, has been, it's obviously, um, COVID has helped that and everything like that, but, the like probably half of the deals, I've never even met the clients and they're signing over like $10,000 deposit checks. Right. Yeah. It helps too. When you're on the phone with them and they're like, I think you better come over and have a look at things. You're like, <coughs> <laughs> <laughs> yeah. sounds good. <laughs> I'll, be there. I'll be there right, I'll be right there. You make sure you wear your Four mask. Four days and I'm allowed to come over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So what not like you've, you've alluded to this a bit, but let's just put this into a, uh, you know, tell it to me like I'm five kind of thing. How has your life improved from, this has kind of gotten away from the steel a little bit, but it's still got a good conversation. How has your life <laughs> improved the- by making these decisions to charge, to be more profitable and, and to, to take less phone calls and, and do less jobs, but be more profitable on them. Explain to people like why it. they should do this. It's honestly such a game changer. Like I said, the first year, my every single night was just taking phone calls, taking quotes, running around. I had no life. I worked almost every single weekend. Um, did I make money? Absolutely. Did I do anything else? Absolutely not. Um, and not only is it stressful on you, it's stressful on the people that are around you, whether it be your family or anything like that. And then if you have employees, it sucks for them too. Like they as much as you hope you have good guys that enjoy like their work and enjoy what they do, they have a life outside of work. They deserve to have weekends off. They deserve to have time off. Um, and if you're, you know, you're not set up for success, you're not going to be able to, to give it to them. So once we made that switch, I basically said, I was like, there's, there's no job in the world that is worth me going in and working a weekend to get it done. If it doesn't get done on Friday, I can call whoever and I can push things back until Monday or I can push things back a couple of days. There's no job in this world that is so important that it has to be done this weekend. Right. Yeah. Now, how many guys do you have working for you now on the tools? I have one guy. And was he a, like a like a carpenter before or just a helper or... Yep. So my first year I had one helper um, and it worked worked out pretty good. Um, I paid him a lot less than I pay what I pay my carpenter. 
Um, but I had to babysit everything that he did. Right. Um, so I decided last year, my plan was to hire a carpenter and then maybe like a junior carpenter and a laborer or something. COVID hit, pushed everything back. And I was like, I just want to run lean. I don't want to have any extra headaches. I'll have one extra, I'll have one other guy, a good carpenter that I can trust. And if I have to leave to go do something else or whatever, I know he's perfectly fine there working by himself. Um, I literally pay him double what I paid my, just over double what I paid my, uh, my laborer before, but it's worth every penny of it. Right. Right. So last year, um, kind of back to the, the point of, you know, your quality of life and everything like that. I worked way harder in my second year and made less money than I made last year. And I worked way less. Right. Perfect. So what was behind my question there with the, the carpenter? He was presumably a wood guy before. I don't know if he was a deck builder or a framer or what. He yeah, did. he was uh, yeah, he was a carpenter. He had a, a bit of experience um, with decks. He had worked, um, he'd subbed a little bit for uh, the deck store, which is uh, another kind of higher end company, more based in like the city and stuff like that around here. Um, he tried doing his own thing for a little bit and just, uh, you know, the hassles and headaches of running his own business just wasn't for him. Um, he had a young family. He just wanted, you know, a good, uh, a good pay and a reliable paycheck every week and not have to have to worry about the stresses of it. Right. So So his background was in, in carpentry and wood that had nothing to do with, uh, with steel or anything. So, right. So that's what I'm trying to go with. This is what, so you made the decision to go to steel. You've kind of made peace that you see the benefits. What was his reaction to it? Was he on board to be like, yeah, let's do something great. Or was he, or was he kind of like, dude, I took this job cause we work with wood and that's what I do. And I'm not super thrilled about this steel switch. Yeah. So our job site, like we get a lot of work and we produce a lot of high quality work, but it's a pretty laid back, um, I'm open to suggestions. Um, I want to, you know, think about things differently just because we've done it 10 times and it's worked those 10 times. doesn't mean there isn't a better way to do something or a different way to approach it. Mm-hmm. Um, so all our jobs are kind of, you know, built off of that. And like, let's just take a couple of minutes and explore some different options. Maybe if we tried things this way or tried things that way, um, I have enough buffers built into our projects and everything like that, that I can afford myself that luxury. Um, but he's extremely supportive. That was the whole reason why he wanted to come uh, work for me. Cause he could see the work that we were producing, um, the quality that we were producing. And that's kind of what attracted him to, uh, to that job. And part of that is, you know, being creative and coming out with, uh, with different ideas, right? It's not just producing the same project every single time. So he so, was uh, he was completely on board when we uh, we mentioned steel. My guess is that that's not going to be the case for everybody that's considering the switch. I'm guessing there's going to be a lot of guys who are employing some carpenters who have worked with wood for 25 years. They don't they're not going to be super enthused about switching to steel, uh, even though you haven't had to to um, not negotiate this, but you haven't had to manage this transition for your guy because he was on board. What would you say for people who who think they might run into that? What would you how would you kind of manage that transition and get guys comfortable with the idea of moving to a product that they're not familiar with? So this might not be the answer that uh, everyone wants to hear, 
but make the switch more for your (laughs) make the switch more for your clients than you're making it for yourself it's going to be uncomfortable at first um you know it's it's definitely steel is a whole different animal than wood decking um it's you know it's got some of the same principles but almost everything is uh is different in that aspect um, but the biggest thing that drove me was that I want to produce a quality product that is going to last. And most of the people that, you know, they're shopping at your store and they're listening to the podcast and they're on Instagram, they're kind of of the same mindset. Um, so yeah, does, are you going to go and build a steel deck the same in the same time frame that you were building wood decks before? There's not a chance in hell you're going to do it. Um, but you know what? You're not going to have those callbacks. You're going to sleep a lot better at night and you're giving yourself a quality project. I personally couldn't feel like inside that I was producing like a hundred percent, the best quality project that I could give my clients when I was using wood. And that, that like drove me insane. Did you, when you made the switch to steel, did you, did you change your install pricing to account for the fact that it was going to be a little bit slower for you? Are you charging more to do steel now? Or are you, are you looking at this as once I get used to this, I'll probably be as fast, if not faster with steel. So I'm just going to keep my install the same. How does that work? Cause guys are probably wondering that. Do I need to charge more? Cause I'm going to be slower. How did you approach that? So it kind of goes back to the same. Um, what I said before is that sometimes you have to do a little bit extra in order to make things down the road easier. Right? Yep. So we had increases in uh, pressure treated prices last year at that time they were pretty close to what a steel price was but at the same time i knew that installing steel which is was something i never really worked with before was going to take longer and i was perfectly fine with you know instead of being on a project for one week maybe it took me two weeks to get that project done and i wasn't going to be as profitable, but at the same time, I was still pretty comfortable with the prices and everything that I had given that I had enough buffer in there that like I was going to be fine type of thing. Right. So I was perfectly fine biting the bullet, uh, and you know, taking longer on projects to once again, like evaluate everything that goes into that project. Is there a way that I could do this different? Um, and every single steel frame that I've done so far, I've switched up like one component or one aspect of it up on every single deck. Not one of those decks has been framed the exact same way. So we're constantly learning and evolving. Um, Things change, but for me, the number one most important thing was that I was producing the best product that was possible for my client. How many uh, jobs have you done now in steel framing? Um, We've probably done... Probably close to 10 now. Okay. And uh, do you feel like there was a point after a certain number of decks that you then felt like your efficiency was increasing or that you became as efficient as you were with wood? Like, was there, did it take three jobs, four jobs, or was it just kind of like a long, everlasting transition kind of thing? Yeah. So like the first one, it took a while, but it was also a pretty complicated uh, deck for anyone that follows my Instagram or anything like that. It was uh, the double X pattern. Right. Um, that went through the upper and lower deck. So was that a, a good first deck to start on steel framing? Probably not, but it was also for a, a good friend of mine. Um, so I was pretty comfortable with trying different things and learning on the site and not being judged on it. Yep. Um, and from that, like I, I took things to the next job, the next job, like on the second deck, I was like, 
okay, this will, this is going to be a breeze. I already got a couple of different things figured out for this. I'll slap it right up. And then you get like 90% of it done. And then like what you thought was going to work better didn't necessarily work better. It didn't work out. So then you kind of have to reevaluate uh, when you get to that point. I would say that now I can, depending on the deck, I can probably produce it um, in a similar speed to what I can produce wood in. Right. Maybe slightly longer to do steel, but uh, I would say it's pretty close now. Okay. For like square box decks or whatever, um, it's like it's the easiest thing to to throw up. Like depending on the systems you're using, you can order everything um, like pre-cut, pre-marked, um, and it's literally uh, you know, like just a matter of throwing some fasteners in it. Okay, so tell me a little bit about how you ended up with the system that you're using. And I don't know if you've committed fully to this and only this, but you obviously did some research with, I'm assuming you looked at Fortress Evolutions, you're you're using Bailey TrueDeck system. Um, why did you end up with Bailey? Was it completely price-driven? Because one of the things that you're doing is taping the top of your joist, whereas Fortress is already black, you wouldn't have to do that. So what was the driver to go down the path with Bailey as opposed to Fortress or some of the other options? So when looking into both those options, um, they kind of did a, both of them did a good job on giving you like a 90% deck product, but it was really just in the details that neither company really explained. Um, so I know Shane and you and I had had this conversation, um, back when we didn't even know how you were fastening rails, um, to a steel frame. Mm-hmm. And we had to like go and read through like an entire fortress manual. And even at that, yeah. it was a little bit, uh, a little bit blurry at the end of things. Right. So. And in every single like install manual and every video you see online, they're just laying down straight deck boards uh, with no picture frame. I, other than Dr. Dex, I don't know if he lays down a deck without a picture frame, right? So it like, it's like, okay, this is great for 90% of the deck, but how am I doing my ladder block or flat blocking so that I can get rails and um, my picture frame in? And like, honestly, I, I can get answers out of anyone. So it was a lot of research on my end. Um, luckily, I had good relationships um, with both reps for Fortress as well as um, at the time the Bailey rep was extremely helpful. So they, I got product from both of them. I was literally doing like mock-ups in my garage and driveway and just like trying different things like, okay, can I try this? See how this works. Um, try this, see how that works. At the end of the day, why we went with the Bailey True Deck system over the Fortress system was availability and price. What was the price differential? Do you know? Um, so at that time, um, with the lumber increases, it was pretty uh, pretty close. I want to say like lumber was somewhere around like three to three fifty uh, a linear foot, um, where as a light gauge steel. Um, we were basically paying about that same price. I pulled up prices kind of today roughly just to see where they are because I haven't looked at pressure treated prices in so long. I'm in between the um, two systems but, even though. Like when you went with Bailey because of price, what? how much more of a premium was the Fortress system over Bailey? Yeah, Fortress is probably like another like 30, 35% uh, on top of uh, a light gauge steel system. Okay. Um, the other thing with that is that... Um, so with Bailey, I could basically customize anything I wanted. If I needed a 30-foot joist, I could order a 30-foot joist. If I needed something that was a little beefier and stiffer, I could order it 
in a 10 inch joist or I could order it in eight inch joist. I could order it in 12 gauge metal. I could order it in 18 gauge metal. There was just a lot more flexibility in the options. Right. Um, as well as being able, like if I, there was certain like basically parts I came up with on the job that's like, Oh, if I had a piece of metal that was like bent like this and this and this, um, and made this certain way, you know, that might work pretty well. And they had the ability to basically, you know, bend what I needed. Right. Hmm. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that's interesting. So we got precision construction engineers wondering where you learned how to attach your posts. Winky, winky, yeah. finger on the lip. Cascade taught me everything I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, because that Cascade uh, Fence and Deck is another company that's doing that right now. They're, I don't know if they're transitioning completely to steel. It wouldn't surprise me if they were, but they're definitely exploring it right now. They brought Scott down to kind of walk them through. They're doing their first one. So there's there's a few guys out there yeah. who are starting to make this transition and not like, yeah. it's not surprising who the guys are that are doing it. It's the guys who have always paid more attention to detail and cared more about the business and, you know, went after the yeah. more premium so hundred percent why I use light gauge steel opposed to fortress is because of Scott. I didn't even know light gauge steel existed yeah. um, before his podcast and talking to him. Right. Um, and even once I knew it existed, it was a pain in the ass to try and find. Like you can't just go to a lumber yard and be like, I thought I was trying to order something similar to a fortress of like, I'm telling you, I was like, okay, I need tube steel. I need uh, like, you know, uh, a 16th inch wall, like a 14 gauge or something. Um, if I can get it galvanized, that's great. Or can I powder coat it? And like every single steel shop is basically like, I don't know what the heck you're talking about. Like we can't get it. Yeah. And I'm like sitting there scratching my head. I was like, well, if a metal company can't get this product, like how am I supposed to get it type of thing? Right. Um, but basically what you're doing. Um, so for us in Canada, um, there's Bailey metal products, which has been around for, I think 70 years now or something like that. They're one of the largest uh, like steel stud producers. Their business is basically in large commercial buildings and stuff like that, producing the steel stud and track. Yep. Um, and from that, they've basically just kind of seen a little bit of a niche in the market. Like, Hey, we're already producing these products. Um, now, why don't we, you know, try and put out a system that uh, focuses on like a deck building system, right? Correct. Yep. Yeah. And so Scott, Scott put you onto it and then you followed through. Yeah. So yeah, Scott was uh, huge and I still, you know, talk to Scott uh, daily, if not weekly type of thing. We constantly uh, run ideas back and forth uh, through one another. Um, the one like downside to, to kind of steal is there at, when I started, there wasn't really a lot of guys um, doing steel structures. So it's not like you had a bunch of people you could go to and say, Hey, we're trying to accomplish this. Like, how would you go about doing it? Um, like you, you, your options were limited where now, um, we started doing it, you know, cascades, they started doing their steel framing. Um, there's been a lot more interest and those guys can now come to people like Scott and I, um, among others and start asking these questions and they'll feel more comfortable about those details where when I started looking into it, um, I had all these ideas in my head, but I really had no idea how it was going to come together. And they would give me like, you know, how 90% of this project was going to flow together. But I was like, like when I mentioned the ladder blocking and everything, I was like, well, how do you guys accomplish this? Or how do you accomplish mounting your post or doing stair systems and stuff like this? And 
they're like, well, we're, we'll basically just sell you a box and uh, try and come up with the rest type of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, there was, like I said, there wasn't really anyone to talk to or to bounce ideas off of. So it was a lot of head scratching, a lot of playing around in like the garage and shop and everything, trying different ideas, trying different techniques, uh, bouncing ideas back and forth with, uh, with Scott on what I think would work and what wouldn't work. Yeah. And basically just taking it and evolving it from there. Yeah. So what was your, what do you find your biggest kind of struggles were when you, when you made the switch? Like, the actual on-the-job site things, what were the things that took the most um, amount of effort to adapt to? The things that kind of frustrated you the most or you needed different tools or what? Like, what are the things people should so know about? The, the two biggest things, and anyone that asks me about steel framing, uh, like the first thing I tell them is when you're driving a nail into wood, the nail sinks into the wood. It's hidden. You don't have to think about it. You can fire five nails in the, the joist to the ledger or whatever, whatever connection you're doing. And that nail is for the most part, basically hidden. Right. Any fastener that you put on top of a steel framing or connecting a steel framing is an exposed fastener. Um, so you really just have to, not that you want to lose, use less fasteners, but you really have to be aware of where you're putting those fasteners. The first deck that I did, I had like hundreds of fasteners on the top of the deck. Yep. Um, so I had to go back after and like every single deck board that I install, I have to basically go in, uh, take a forstner bit and like grind out those areas um, so that the deck board sits flat on the deck, right? Right. Yep. So and we're, now we're like everything that we do. And that's part of like when you're installing, just take five minutes, take a step back look at what you're doing and think of different ways you can do things. Um, so now we're basically at a point where I don't think on the one that we're working on right now, I'm pretty sure there was maybe one or two fasteners that were mounted to the top uh, portion of the deck and everything else was kind of hidden below. So those are definitely the two things that take the longest is it takes longer to attach and it takes longer uh, to kind of, I would say cut things as well. So you find you're, you're a lot more selective in where you're putting your fasteners, how many fasteners you're putting in because of that? Because you know it, like every fastener leads to another, like leads to more time when you go to put on your finishing materials. More methodical. Yeah, exactly. So a perfect example, and 100% this is uh, all credit to Scott. Does anyone know what the tally we're at now for Scott mentioned? No. It's well, well over 50. Contractually, we have to hit 55. <laughs> 55. Yeah. Rat, but. <laughs> so our, the original proposal in the Bailey system is you're basically taking a joist and you're putting uh, like a 90-degree a bracket on the end, whether yep. it be like an L70 or whatever like that. So you're basically four screws into from the bracket into your uh, your mid-span blocking, and then you're another four screws into your joist material, and that's on each side, right? So mm-hmm. your, four, eight, your 16 screws that went into that one little section where Scott came up with the idea of basically flipping a joist around um, so that it's vertical, and then you don't have to add a fast or a bracket to it because you can just um, screw through the top and the bottom of that joist. So you just took... Uh, 16 screws and you just brought it down to four screws which it may not sound like a lot but in the overall scheme of things like that is absolutely huge right yeah and so one of our posts that we did the other day was um our joist spacing right and we so we said we have nine and five eighths joist spacing and 11 and five eighths joist spacing um and everyone's like okay that's kind of odd like why don't you have 
um, you know, 10 or 12 or 16 inch, like a, a standard dimension joist spacing. And the reason for that is because we use an inch and five, eight flange steel. And then we basically have to just turn a joist that's um, eight inches on its side. So you add eight inches and an inch and five eighths, you got nine and five eighths. If it's a, a 12 inch on center, then you use a 10 inch joist flip on its side. Um, and that gives you your 11 and five eighths spacing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Are you finding that you're able to do, like, has wood ever touched any of your steel frame projects? Because if you needed to use it for blocking or a post or something, or have you been have you managed to do everything in steel other than the decking? The only thing that um, I've ever had wood and steel um, connections was the very first project. Um, because Bailey doesn't produce any type of post or anything like that, um, they basically, they're just selling you joist and beam. So I couldn't get steel post in time. So I had to use, um, six by six post, um, for that job. Gotcha. Like a pressure treated. Post. And so what are you doing now? Now we have three and a half, uh, inch steel columns. And is that similar to like, um, like a telepost that you would use in your house? Is that essentially what it is? Yeah. So it, it's just instead of. Um, I don't think I've seen most of uh, the like posts I've seen supporting the house are all cylindrical, um, but the ones we use are are square tube. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. What are some of the tool swaps you had to do? What tools are you using now with the steel that you had to go out and purchase? And were you able to finance those by getting rid of some of your wood tools that you don't have a use for anymore? Or what's the What's the financial Sell, commitment here to switch over? sells tools. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got a whole garage full of tools that yeah. I don't use. The worst thing, too, was so back when I did a little bit of everything, the remodeling was um, kind of when I was drinking the Festool Kool-Aid. Um, so at that time, like right before I got into decking, I had invested like so much money into Festool, like tens of thousands of dollars. And like probably within six months after that, that was when I made the switch to just doing decking. And like the majority of the stuff has just sat in the garage. Some of the stuff, the fest tool I sold cause I literally never used. Um, but for the most part tools just sit in the garage. Um, but for, um, the tool wise for steel framing, literally like a good metal saw with some chip collection would be huge. A grinder, and an impact and a drill. Those are kind of like your go-tos for um, steel. Scott mentioned it in his podcast as well. Um, like the amount of tools that you use is bare bones compared to what you used before. We actually ripped apart our entire work trailer and like basically cleared it right out. Um, and then only just put in the, like the tools and fasteners that we actually needed. Um, so really the only ones that we invested in because we already had grinders, we already had impacts and, drills and everything like that was um the good metal saw we bought no like a turk saw like handheld oh okay yeah so um we had bought uh, like a smaller i think it's like a five and a quarter um milwaukee saw which i thought was amazing at the time because it was really the only thing i had used um but the one thing you really want to be um like focused on and have it kind of in the back of your mind is where your shavings from metal are going because they can rust if it's steel. So when you're cutting a piece of uh, steel with no chip protector or anything like that, or no chip collection, those 
chips or shavings or whatever you want to call them are basically going all over the ground or potentially if you're cutting them close enough uh, to your deck product or going on top of deck product. Um, not that I would ever do either one of those things, but it happens. So they, and they, uh, they rush like so quick, like it, it's crazy. Um, and I think it's, I haven't figured it out exactly, but I think it's due to the heat that's produced um, when you're cutting them because I've literally taken like shavings afterwards and like tried to um, stain boards and stuff like that. And I've had zero luck doing it. It seems to only be like the hot, hot shavings that ever leave like rust marks on anything. Right. I wonder if it's um, coated somehow. I wonder if the steel has a bit of a coating on it. And then when you heat it up, it breaks that down. Well, uh, but I think it's only in effect when it's hot because we've taken like direct steel shavings and I've literally like put them on top of a deck board and submerged it under like snow and water mm-hmm. and I couldn't get it to leave rust marks. Hmm. Weird. So, like on a, if you were to do it and like a hot shaving hits the, like a deck board or something like that or gets on something, then that's when I find that it, uh, it did potentially leave, uh, leave rest marks but as long as you're like aware of it and you're you're on top of it and you clean them up then it's not really a, a huge issue but yeah. you do want to you do want to you know have that in the back of your mind and that's why we invested in a, a separate milwaukee metal saw um that has really good um like shaving collection like i can dump it at the end of the day and dump like a and like a little bucket full of uh, shavings in the garbage right so right. better to end up in the garbage than than on your job site Certainly. What's uh, for the guys that are thinking about doing this? What's the cost of one of those saws? Um, I want to say Canadian. I think the the kit was I want to say like either seven or eight hundred bucks. Okay. okay. Um, no, it, it, I've spent way more money on your festival. Things, so. Your festival, yeah, the festival, right? So. Yeah. Um, the other thing was I was pretty heavily invested into, uh, the DeWalt platform and then switching to steel, I would say Milwaukee has a way better kind of steel lineup. Um, so we have invested, you know, some money into their tools. Um, they had a couple of sales on and everything like that. And I really don't need an excuse to buy tools anyway. So, so um, they they work with the trades, like, so they all like Milwaukee has typically known for working with plumbers and electricians a little bit more, right? Yeah. So they do a lot more steel work than construction guys would typically. So what do you, uh, yeah, like I find it's more of a well-balanced, like they do tools that are specialty for trade or specialty for like plumbers, specialty for electricians. um, Mm. Whereas like DeWalt, they have a lot of great tools and everything like that, but it's kind of more of like a general uh, carpentry style tool, right? Yeah. 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 What do you treat your cuts with then to avoid the actual usable uh, steel from rusting, like your end cuts or notch cuts or whatever you're doing? Yeah, so we, once again, we try and overkill everything. So we do spray our cuts with uh, basically a galvanized gel- on site. <laughs> <laughs> Every cut we make, we ship it to the factory. We yeah. have it hopped it, galvanized. Called and the send it back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so no, we do uh, we do spray point uh, spray paint a galvanized treatment on the back. Um, that being said, I've also exposed cuts and like I've tried to make it rust 
on the uh, like the exposed ends, and I have, I personally haven't had any luck with it. Has Bailey or even Fortress, when you were having the conversation, told you what to expect as far as longevity of the coatings of the galvanization or the spray coating? Have they said like you may see rust appear after twenty years, or any anything around that? Yeah. So um, obviously, Fortress they have a warranty that's associated with their product. I believe it's twenty five years. I personally haven't uh, read all the fine print in that to know exactly um, what it covers. Um, it's it kind of back to the same thing. We've used uh, some Fortress steel framing as well. Um, and if you're leaving, you know, shavings around and you're not, you know, cleaning up after yourself and everything like that. The, uh, they can rust out a little bit and it'll tell you in every single video that you watch or like literature that you're reading, like make sure you're vacuuming up your shavings and basically spraying your exposed ends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so on that point, Bailey doesn't have a, a traditional warranty on their product Ooh. because Bailey's not. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So that, that 100% was one of the downsides. But like I said, Bailey, they're not in the deck manufacturing business. They're in the steel stud manufacturing business. Right. Um, and they don't need to offer a 25-year warranty on these products. And it was one of the things that we brought up with their uh, like their marketing team and their execs and everything like that. I was like, if you're going to be telling me a product, they basically told me like the product, you can get like 70, 80 years out of these products, right? Yeah. So it's like, if you're going to tell me a product's going to last 70 or 80 years, you got to be willing to put at least a 25 year warranty on it. Right. Yeah. Cause it makes yeah. that whole, like, we, you know, we're saying that part of the reason that we're switching to steel is because the products we're putting on top have these long 25 to 50 year warranties and the wood's not going to last that long. And then we're like, so we're going to use steel cause it'll last longer. Oh good. How long is that warranty? Yeah. You don't get one, but it, but well, why wouldn't you like yeah. it should be warranted. Isn't that the reason we're switching to it? So I would agree. I would yeah, say like absolutely. if somebody from Bailey's listening, I would get on that. Yeah. Just a marketing plug, right? Everybody knows that steel is going to last longer than wood. Yeah. Yeah. So but, we've, we've but, not, but not everybody would, right? Like the customers maybe don't, yeah. or they might, they might assume that, but they don't know like how much longer. Yeah. How, it, it might yeah. Guaranteed, so I'll, I'll throw, yeah. I'll throw Bailey under the bus here real quick. They were supposed to, yeah, they were supposed to have a warranty. We discussed it last year. It was one of the things they were um, looking for this year. And I was told that they were having it this year. And then I also talked to the Bailey reps this morning and they basically said that they haven't a hundred percent put it in writing yet. Um, So they didn't want it mentioned, but um, they're well aware that they need in order to, have success with that product, they need a warranty attached to it. And there's no reason why they can't warranty it. Yeah. NFDI is in here. He's another guy who's looking at the steel thing, right? You guys have looked at this together. He says pressure treated frame doesn't have a warranty either. Would Sienna stand behind a rotten frame? So not entirely true. Most of them do have a warranty. It's just good luck ever claiming against it. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like some of those like woman eyes would not have these lifetime warranties on the, on wood, but it's like, you better dig into the fine print of that a little bit. Yeah. But I yeah, think exactly. that's like the, the expectation is that, or that what people think is that wood doesn't have the warranty. And the reason we're saying switch to seal is because of the warranty thing on the boards that go on top. So I think like logically it should, I just, I feel like fortress is probably a little bit further ahead in the, uh, in the product life cycle. And that's probably why they've gotten those details ironed out. I know yeah. that we've done some quoting with systems and I've reached out to both to get them to quote things. And Bailey for us even was kind of like, 
they kind they, they straight up told me they weren't really there yet to be doing these kind of like mass quoting. And I, and I don't even know what distribution looks like out West for them, but Fortress, yeah. Fortress has it already ironed out, ironed out. I can get quotes like today with Fortress and Bailey's a little bit further behind. It seems both in marketing and even figuring out the, like all the product details maybe. So, um, yeah, exactly. And part of that was, uh, when Bailey first introduced it, they literally just, like I said, they were giving you a square box and they never, they're not deck builders. They never thought about picture framings. They never thought about attaching rails. They never thought about their details or anything like that. Um, did they have a great product? Absolutely. But it wasn't like a complete solution, right? So then all of a sudden, you know, some deck builders start having some interest um, and they start asking questions and they really don't have answers because that's not their field. That's not, um, you know, that's not their regular line of business. Yeah. It's not, not to say they don't make a good product or anything like that, but they didn't get into steel stud manufacturing to build decks. Right. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. Okay. Is there anything else that you were hoping to chat about today with regards to steel framing that you think people should know that you've learned during your transition year here? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one of the other huge benefits for us is that it is an engineered system. Um, okay. So you have peace of mind in that. Um, and then coupled with that, you also basically eliminate an inspection step from a township. Um, so for me, that's absolutely huge. I want to deal with the township uh, the least amount of times as possible. That was a question that I somebody believe, typed in here a while like, ago. I, I forgot that to that reference it. Happened. Yeah, it was somebody asked about the permitting process. So what was your experience with your uh, permit office compared to wood? Um, so basically all the townships don't even know what you're talking about when you submit a steel <laughs> drawing. No, <laughs> they do not. So, so they just trust. But the at the stamp. end of the day, all they look for is to have an engineer stamp. And if an engineer is going to sign off on it, then they really, their hands are, are free and clear, right? They don't care. Yeah. yeah. Cause if anything happens, they can just be like, Hey, uh, an engineer signed off on this. He thought it was a good idea. How am I supposed to uh, tell him? That? Cause it removes uh, their liability <laughs> as opposed to the, all the liability oh, they accept in any other. They don't scenario. have any liability ever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Garbage. So yeah, as the, I would say that is an absolute huge, huge, huge takeaway that, um, it really takes the ball out of the, the inspector's hands. Um, and, you know, like before, they could, all know how much you know, like to have a ball in their hand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, before they could nitpick about any single Are you drunk? thing. <laughs> no. I'm all fired up about the inspectors, though. Yeah. <laughs> so Wade's going to no, do exactly. and, and who, who doesn't get, like, fired up about it? It's definitely it's probably my least favorite uh, yeah. aspect of uh, the business, right? So, we, like I said, we have our drawings, they get done up. We send them to an engineer. The engineer reviews them, signs off on them. Um, and then we have a, basically a field inspection from the engineer that signs off that says, yep, this is uh, good to go to how uh, we, uh, we specified it. And at that point, um, like a building inspector can't say anything to you. So, so yeah. it, in the case of Bailey, you are using your own engineer. Cause I know that Fortress was like, they're basically, they have a couple of engineers on contract to review and stamp their drawings on their behalf. So when you get your, your product package, it comes stamped already with Bailey. You're having to source your own engineer. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. So, um, when Bailey first launched, they were prepared, but they didn't really know what they were getting themselves into. 
Um, so they're like, oh, yeah, well, we can do drawings and takeoffs for you. We'll get them engineered and everything like that. Um, but by the time you go through that process, and at that time, there's there's also a communication barrier because you're talking to a contractor that's used to dealing with wood, um, and he's expecting you to basically convert that product into a steel product. But at the same time, Bailey is not 100% familiar with how the how like all the components of a deck go together right right um so then all of a sudden you've got to go back and forth and have a couple of changes and wait for engineer sign off and everything like that um that's where you know some time can start adding up and everything like that and it may take a little bit longer um whereas yeah fortress they're in the building products uh industry they have a, a large foothold in their decking they're starting to produce some pretty good products and everything like that. So they're a little more like aware of what needs to be happening um, to make it easier on the, the consumer end where Bailey, they do a great job like now and everything, but when they first, you know, kind of thought about it and everything like that, I don't think they really knew a hundred percent what they were, uh, what they were getting themselves into. Right. So that's, there's a question here that popped up from main decks and we did, t- we touched on it earlier a little bit, but we'll, We'll bring it up again. He says, I don't know if this has been asked, but what is the price difference between wood and steel? Your answer to that earlier was basically like the, if you're looking just like almost at like an unbranded, um, light gauge steel option, it's, and with the increases in wood pricing, there isn't much of a difference anymore. If you're looking at. Yeah. So I did a quick little price, uh, comparison today Yeah, and we were basically, so the other thing is that it's not a true apples to apples. Right. So when I was building out of pressure treated two by 10 deck, or joist, that was my minimum standard. I didn't do anything at a two by eight. Um, where now, um, with light gauge steel, we use eight inch steel and then you go to fortress and they use a two by six. Um, so you can't go and say, okay, fortress is so this price, uh, for a two by six, but uh, pressure treated is only this much for a two by six. Cause you were never going to use that two by six yeah. in your pressure treated framing. Right. Sure. But if you were kind of had an equivalent across the board, um, I figured out the pressure treated with G tape was going to be like with today's prices was going to be close to about four dollars um, a linear foot. Light gauge steel is probably around five bucks a linear foot. I believe the fortress came in around seven dollars a linear foot. Okay, so not not a whole much more, twenty percent more roughly for light gauge steel over wood, and for yeah. wood to fortress maybe fifty to sixty percent more. However, you're getting the black power recording and the engineering included in that. And maybe a bit more of a complete system than the Bailey. I'm just trying to figure out like the Bailey sounds like it might take a little bit more effort to, to figure yeah, out because they haven't done the figuring out yet, but at a, at a discount. I would say a hundred percent that the fortress system was designed to like make it as easy as possible to switch yeah, yeah. from wood to steel, right? Like sure. they want to take the majority of those headaches out. Yeah. And it's it's a pretty well thought out uh, thought out system, um, but there's obviously the huge advantage too to using the light gauge steel is I can order and I'm only paying for what I order. If I want to order 11 foot uh, or say let's let's just say a 12 foot three inch piece, I can order a 12 foot three inch piece and I'm only paying for that 12 foot three inches and not paying for you know a 16 foot that I would have had to pay for in pressure treated or whatever, sure. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Are the Bailey engineering stamps, is that site specific, Mike? Yeah. So everything is, uh, is done site specific. So I found the best way to expedite it 
is um, we have our designer that did all our wood drawings beforehand. He does all our plans, so he knows exactly how we're building the decks, how, how we're kind of putting everything together. Mm-hmm. So he gives me a plan, and then I basically take that plan to my engineer and say, okay, this is what we're proposing to build, and then the engineer then stamps those drawings. Right. Um, so originally, when we first looked into Bailey's, they were having their engineer do the whole process. So it was taking forever, and it was also costing an arm and a leg. Yes. Um, but they've they've smartened up, and they've kind of they've switched that. So they they have draft people now um, that can you know just draw out the plans, um, and then they have their engineers that will sign off on it. But by far, um, if you're building, you know any type of quality deck anyway, you probably already had some type of BCIN draft person or something like that on your team or someone that you did contact um, to do all your drawings. What have you found lead times to be like with steel when you're doing, cause it's not stocked at every lumberyard like wood would be. So from the time you put in a request for materials and from the time you do that to the time it shows up on your job site, what's, what's average? Um, so it's actually fairly good uh good turnaround um and we were able to convince our uh our lumber yard to basically stock a couple of you know more generic sizes um just in case anything did happen to one of our orders it was an easy replacement right um but like if you were just going in fresh and your lumber yard had to, to place an order with uh bailey and you knew exactly what you were doing like don't expect that you can come in with a drawing and then have Bailey take it off and you're going to get like a two day turnaround. So it's not going to happen. But if you can specify the product that you need, um, we've easily had a couple of day turnarounds. I wonder if that's, that's really good. Yeah. I wonder if that's because you've been doing that in your area. Like, I wonder if we would have that same success here, you know what I mean? Or if we'd have to do the year of leg work essentially. Yeah. So like my first deck, by the time, like from my initial drawings to like getting that package probably took a, a few weeks to get, right? But at the same time, I had, I knew what I was doing, but I, I really, at the same time, didn't know what I was doing. Like I didn't know the different product codes. I didn't know how, um, like you're not asking for a, a two by six. You're asking for an eight inch joist with an inch and five eighths flange. You're asking for it in 14 gauge steel. Yep. You want it G90 coded and you want it like this length, right? So yep. it's a little bit more that goes into that whole process. But if you can give them exactly what they need, then it's, it's extremely easy for them to just pipe in the order and then produce your product. But if you're telling them, oh, yeah, I needed uh, 10 uh, 2x8s on this project or whatever, and they're like, okay, well, what's the span on this? Uh, do you need 14 gauge? Do you need 16 gauge? Um, so on your first couple of, you know, there could be some, definitely some figuring out to do, Yeah. but now we just give them an exact order um, with, you know, the exact product codes and everything like that. It goes right to them. Sure. And generally speaking, we have a, like a couple of day turnaround. Sure. Um, yeah, that's awesome. We, we also have like, so all our deck packages like have already been ordered like into September right now. Um, so most of the time, like we order our products way in advance. So we don't have these issues to begin with. So it sounds like you are quite involved in the takeoff for this right now. You're not just sending in a drawing and relying on them to, yeah, I don't, I don't ask them for any takeoff. Okay. Did you at any point? I give them exact. Yeah. Like the first couple we got 
like takeoffs and their products. Um, the other thing to that is that you're, they're designing, they're thinking that they're building a deck one way and you have a completely different way in your head on how you're going to put it together. Right. Yeah. That's what I'm wondering. So then you're trying it's... to put together. I'm wondering how accurate, how accurate their takeoffs are because everybody builds a little bit differently, but with steel, it almost seems like it's a little bit more systematized than wood is. So I was just kind of curious if like you send a drawing in, does everything show up and you don't have to make any running like runs to the lumberyard or whatever? Cause Good Lord, that would be a time saver too if you didn't yeah, have to, if you, if you just showed up ready to go. Even but. if you could cut your trips down by one, you know? Yep. Uh, question. Yeah, so I, yeah. I find that the things that like you're, that you normally forget are like the smaller details, like brackets and like web stiffeners or like mid-span blocking. So normally what we do is like we just order them in quantities of like a hundred or a thousand. Um, so that in case I do or forget them on an order or something like that, then we have lots of stock. Like nine times out of 10, you're not going to forget to order your joist, but you might forget to order like the blocking or right. your railing blocking or something that goes into it. So we know what products we use for those systems. Um, so we just order them in advance. There was a question a while back and I don't recall who it was, but Illum- your Illumistrade. Your, um, Illuminate your comment about the railing blocking reminded me he had asked then what's required for the railing blocking. Yeah. Illuminated balustrade. So do you have to, he's asking, is there extra blocking required for the, for the rail attachment detail or is it just a chunk of, of joist? So the number one question I guess is why I G tape my joist. And the second question is how I, how do I fasten rail? Um, and basically um, I've almost switched up my rail blocking detail on every single deck, um, just coming up with different ways to be more efficient and to make it quicker. Um, the, the biggest thing that I, I couldn't get my head around when I first started was that you're taking a piece of steel that let's just call it an eighth inch thick and you're fastening your rail to it. You're used to putting a, like a six inch leg into solid wood yes. and that's what's holding your rail, right? And now you're basically asking an eighth inch piece of metal to do that thing. Yep. But I can tell you, like, it'll blow your mind. Like one screw in metal is going to hold way better than, you know, 10 legs into wood. What type of screw are you using to connect that thing? Uh, like a rail connection? Yeah. Yeah, so we basically, um, so you basically have a piece of steel blocking underneath. Um, it literally can just be flat blocking. Um and what we do is we pre-drill the, the hole. I think it's like a 5 drill bit. And then we use like a self-tapping uh, bit to thread the hole, um, which I believe is 3-8, I think 24 threads. Um, and then you're basically just using a bolt. Gotcha. Okay. Just a through so bolt you could to the bolt, bottom of the, yeah. Yeah. We just through bolt it. I personally add in um, like a, a locking uh not as well just for like personal mind, like ease of mind and everything like that. But like you just put in a, a bolt through that connection, just straight into the steel with, uh, with no nut and you'll be amazed how strong it is. Like it's not going anywhere. Right. Crazy. Hickory Dickory Dex Halifax wants to know what types of fasteners we're using for everything else. What are you using for your framing fasteners to fasten your decking and trim? So like fascia screws and whatnot, if you want to go through that. Yeah, for sure. So that was like another huge hurdle for us because nobody was doing it. Um, it was hard to really get answers on. That was like the other thing. Like you go to Trek system and they had like a clip, but it didn't really work. You go to Fortress, they kind of have a clip, but it didn't really work. Um, like there wasn't really 
a good answer on how to your fastening products and everything like that. So we worked quite a bit with uh, with Camo last year um, for their X Steel clip um, to produce that. Um, we went through a bunch of different batches and some good, some bad, and kind of got to the the point at the end of the year there where they were able to kind of they were confident enough to uh, to release it to the public or the contractor or whatever so camel um x steel is what we use to fasten basically all our field deck boards mm-hmm. and then uh cortex makes a, a screw a self-tapping metal screw called a driller yep. yep um so you can use that to uh to plug everything i personally don't use any fascia material on any of our projects just because i don't like the look of having an exposed screw um so even where we have fascia material we're basically cutting down deck boards and putting it on there so I can use a Cortex plug uh, to hide it. Cortex driller. Okay. Yeah. So that's, I wonder that's if, one difference too, is that I've seen guys that use the um, Fortress system. So a lot of times don't use fascia because it is power core block. So it doesn't look bad. Like, so I guess yeah. you have the option then and you would probably never do that with wood, but with, with a steel, you have the option of not doing fascia at all, which could be a huge cost savings that could offset the cost difference between the lumber and steel in the first place, if not more than the cost of that. Yeah. And so like one of the things with the steel framing is the steel columns and the steel beam, um, because I don't want to leave that exposed steel. We clad those whole things. Um, and it, you know, it, it definitely adds up pretty quickly when you add some fasteners and some deck boards and everything like that, um, to cover those. Right. So do you, you don't build this way, so maybe you don't know, but there's, um, there's always a concern about people that do the fascia flush with the top of the decking as opposed to leaving a nosing about water getting in between the the rim board and the fascia yes. and the freeze thaw cycle. Yeah. Have you is that a concern for you at all anywhere on a steel deck that water can get between the material and the steel and or does or do we find that because steel doesn't absorb the moisture that the water would just kind of fall through and the freeze thaw wouldn't it's not an issue with steel. So I have heard issues with products that expand and contract uh, more than others uh, because the steel has such little movement to it. Whereas like if you're doing a wood frame deck with some other products, there's a little more give to everything mm-hmm. um, that like they've had issues with screws shearing and everything like that. Um, because we use uh, decorators product that basically has, you know, pretty minimal uh, thermal expansion and contraction and then mixed out with steel. Like obviously we've only gone through uh one, not even a full season yet, but we've gone through kind of a, a summer and our winter here as we just approach into uh, into spring. But I, I haven't heard any uh, of any issues and I've been back to all our projects, you know, to kind of check in on things and see how things are, are holding up. And if there is any issues, I want to make sure that they're, they're kind of addressed right away. Okay. Um, but I, I haven't had any issues or seen any potential where like, you know, sitting water, um, would get in there. And that's one of the reasons why we don't, that's why one of the reasons why we use a nosing and uh, picture frame all our decks is so that we don't have kind of that spot where water can, uh, can sit. Right. Right. And so I think the, you answered, you use camo X clips for the decking. You're using cortex drillers for your fascia application and your picture frames and your, the, the screws for the framing are included with the framing and they're just like a self-tapping stainless steel tech screw of sorts, are they? Or Yeah, so both systems, whether it be Fortress or Bailey, the screw is a separate component. 
Um, so once again, I think like the packages of screws from Bailey's, like they come like a couple of thousand at a time type of thing. So we literally have like, I think two or three like buckets of, uh, like old camo buckets just full of, uh, self-tapping screws. Um, but like I said, it's one of those things that the smaller pieces and components, those are probably the things that you want to order a couple extra of because they're so easy to overlook or like you, you might think you needed uh, 10 mid-span pieces of blocking, but you needed 11 type of thing because layout slightly changed or something, right? So right, right. the smaller stuff, um, even like the Cortex drillers, because they only come in boxes. I think it's like a box of like 125 or something. Um, we normally order like, you know, 20 to 30 boxes at a time type of thing, right? Because um, anything like that, um, getting the, the Camel X clips, I think... My phone. Does live distribute out there as well, or do you guys have? To, okay, yeah. So I think they they have everything now. But like before, when we were kind of getting started last year, um, it took a it took a while, and that's why we were working with Camo um, directly to get kind of the the clips. Um, and it was the same thing with uh, the Cortex drillers. It took a long time to kind of order in. Um, and luckily we had, uh, we talked to a couple of those reps and they got us a few boxes to kind of get started while they were working on bringing in the rest of the things. But I'm hoping that it'll be, I know camo, it sounds like their, their, uh, supply issues have been worked out for this year and, uh, and they basically have full stock and everything, but that's just, that's kind of the biggest thing is you want to be aware that it's not just a quick trip to the, the hardware store for everything and the specialty stuff that you are going to need. You kind of want to make sure that you you have it ordered ahead of time, right? And right. hopefully, I'd feel gains more popularity, and it kind of becomes more mainstream among the like the better deck builders or like the the higher quality or whatever. Um, obviously, then more people are asking for the product, and they'll bring more product in. But as it stands right now, where it's still kind of like a specialty niche thing, um, it's not a not as popular, right? Right. I know that last year we had to we brought in some of those Cortex drillers um, because there was a, a commercial project where they'd fastened decking onto, um, it was this, they used it as cladding on the outside of the building and it was a, a bunch of steel yeah. that was on there. And so I know that we had to bring that stuff in and it was hard to track down. I had to get the Fasten Master rep involved and then we did end up finding it and it took us, you know, five or six weeks to get it. And it was certainly frustrating, but it was then one of those things that I talked to our distributor about and said, is this something that you guys can stock at your level? We don't have to have, you know, I don't need hundreds of boxes of these things, but if you had 10 just to cut down on the lead time for us, that would help quite a bit. And uh, they talk like they might, they might start to add that. So. Yeah. The the other thing that we ran into with that as well is that, um, Cortex basically had a couple of generations of the drillers. Um, so the first generation of them honestly didn't work that well. Um, the new ones are amazing. Um, so when we ordered, um, like our first batch of them, I think we ordered like 20 boxes and of those 20 boxes, I think like 17 or something were like the old style ones. Right. Um, and no, nobody there even knew, right? Like it was, still it was the exact same packaging everything like that and it wasn't until we actually like opened up the box and looked at the screw um that we saw that it was like the old style um and then we had to basically wait to to get all the new packages back in as well gotcha excellent so you do feel like now that you've kind of like you it took a bit of effort it sounds like to get started to get some a dealer on board to get a distributor on board to get the manufacturer on board uh, took some effort, but it sounds like now you've 
kind of got yourself to a point where there's a good system in place. You can get product in a good amount of time. If you're missing something, you've kind of got that figured out. The fasteners are easier to get now. Um, so I guess for people that are not, have not gotten down the path in their area and nobody else has either, I guess there might be a little bit of work to do at the start to get everybody on board. Yeah. But, but once you do, then, then you're off to the race. Yeah. And even from like a customer's perspective, I personally find that like, um, you would probably think that, you know, even a lot of deck builders might not necessarily know about steel framing or didn't know about it before. So customers aren't going to be knowledgeable about it, but we've had quite a few customers that have approached us, um, because of our steel framing. Um, or when, you know, you tell them about it and you tell them the benefits to steel framing and everything like that, they're completely on board. Like they're, they're investing in you and they're putting their trust with you that you're giving them their best you know, possible product kind of within their, their budget or their price range. Yeah. Um, so if you're coming to them with better options, um, it, it kind of goes down to like the deck boards too. Like they don't care if it's a Trex or Timber Tech or decorators or Fibron or whoever, they're looking to you for your suggestion. Right. So if you can position it, educate them a little bit, um, like they're a, they'll a hundred percent be on board and, the best part is, is you're like, you'll have peace of mind knowing that you built a complete solid package all the way around and not just a 90%, you know, solid package sitting on pressure treated. Yep. Yeah. For the customer, it, it, it's certainly an easy sell. It's, you know, the pros column is pretty big and the cons column used to only be cost really. Uh, and yeah. now that that gap's closed, the price of the steel framing is coming down. Wood's gotten more expensive. It's not much of a con anymore. So there's really... Yeah. There's a lot of reasons and I would to do say it. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like a hundred percent of the, the cons, although it's not the greatest for the contractor, but the cons kind of come on the contractor side. They don't necessarily, yeah, like exactly. everything that's on a homeowner sign is a hundred percent positive. Yeah. I was going to say um, that too. So there's like, a couple of, it's, it, it's not the customer's problem. The cons are not the customer's problem, right? Yeah. It's like, it's harder for me to install yeah. though. I'm not yeah, comfortable okay. using this. I don't know what I'm doing. So it sucks for you for a day, but I've got this deck for the next 30 years. Let's do the good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, um, so like even we have a bit of a unique one coming up where we went out there. Um, the customer originally just wanted um, just to resurface their deck in composite. Um, and then we kind of told them, you know, it doesn't always make sense to resurface. Like you've kind of already used your lifespan of your framing. Why would you put a, you know, a 30, 50 year product on top of, you know, a 20 year product that's already used half of its life. Um, so then we kind of, we gave them the options of everything. Um, then they preferred the look of the fortress, um, steel framing. Um, they weren't a hundred percent sold on, uh, the composite look. They liked the feel of wood. And I just, they basically said like, we're not in the wood market, nothing that we, uh, we do. Um, and we kind of reached like a, a happy, uh, middle ground. So they're going, like a fortress steel framing with a thermal reash uh, product on top. Oh, yeah. And then I, I think we're doing a uh, cable rail as well on that. Right. Um, but I, I told the customer a hundred percent straight up. I was like, I personally haven't used the thermal product. Um, I'll look into it a hundred percent. I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that, you know, you're getting an amazing product. I'm going to test the product out myself. I'll probably, you know, build a little mock-up of my place, see exactly how it goes together. Um, but the customer has the confidence in you that you're giving them, you know, the best quality product. And even 
if you know if guys are looking at making the switch to steel and they don't have any pictures of steel decks um, that they've done or they can't explain the whole process or whatever, like just be upfront and honest with your customer. Just say like, hey, um, like we're doing this for you. We want to offer you a better product. This is this is the way to go. Um, we want to build you know a solid everything, not just your decking and your railing. So steel is uh, the way to go. Um, we've talked to, you know, a bunch of different guys. We've done different research. We're pretty confident in our ability to uh, deliver and we're not going to leave you hanging on it. So, um, and I, I honestly think customers would be excited that you're providing them a better option over pressure treated framing. And then secondly, that you're being honest with them and they know that you're, you're not just doing it to install it. You're actually looking after it. And you're gonna, you know, do some research and look into different options, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Hickory Dicker Decks asked a question you've answered here already, but uh, just so that they get the answer here, they're wondering uh, why you still use G tape in the steel. He's mentioned that, and then they knew the answer because we're trying to hide the color of the Bailey steel, the galvanization on ninety degree, or sorry, uh, forty five degree installs, angled installs, and the beam. yeah, exactly, and the beam. Yeah, you're doing the beam as well. Yeah, we do the beam as well. Yeah. Okay. And then clad posts and clad the rim joists with deck boards and yeah. and self drillers. No fascia yeah. no fascia product being used. Have you had any yeah. call, callbacks specifically related to the steel frame so far? Um, well, everything's so new. It's like within a year, but I've literally been back on every single job site that we've completed. Um, I have two of them in like in my neighborhood. Um, that were done in steel framing. So I'm constantly going back. I'm going back to other projects and seeing how things are holding up. Um, Anything you've learned or is everything rock solid? um, Like I said, I I think I've changed the way I framed the deck on every single steel deck frame that we've done, but it's literally just adding efficiencies um, and adding a better, better overall product I would find. Right. Um, one of the original ways that we did our um, blocking for our borders and for our railing was to basically just add a flat stock on top of the steel joist, um, but it didn't necessarily lend itself to the best water drainage or anything like that. So even though we drilled like leaping holes and everything like that, that was kind of one of the things that I was always looking into was a different way um, to block it out that would still allow water to travel really through mm-hmm. um and so the last couple we've done ladder blocking on but uh like i said every single even wood decks or any type of decking like i always say my best deck i built was the last deck i built right every single product that you're producing you should be learning and progressing on right yeah for sure yeah okay well every time we talk about steel we managed to run this thing like long one again. definitely long again yeah um I know that Scott we would be picked pissed a, if we went longer than his. Yeah, we could have picked a guy that had less to say. Yeah, Mike's well, got a lot to say. Yeah, not as much as Scott, though. <laughs> well, probably maybe you would have if you gave no. the opportunity, but is there anything yeah. else you want to leave folks with? Like, I know there's this is such a hot topic right now that there's a lot of guys with a lot of questions. I believe that we've touched on all the big ones for sure, and people have had the chance to interact and ask as we go along here when the internet's been working. Um, yeah, any, so anything another, else you want to leave with them? Yeah, a couple other things. Um, like Scott had mentioned before. So working with steel is lighter than working with wood. 
So your equivalent, um, like your two by eight framing or two by 10 framing, that equivalent in steel is a lighter product. Oh yeah. Um, and because of the way it's produced, you can stack a product basically like inside of a product. So it literally takes up half the space. Um, so maybe, you know, you've got a, a large driveway or something and lots of staging area, but, um, if you can kind of minimize that pile and put it in half, that can be huge as well, right? Because Bailey is a C-channel joist, right? As in Fortress is a boxed... Um, two- yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so you wouldn't have that advantage with Fortress because it would stack uh, just the same as conventional lumber would. Right. Um, but doing a, a light-gauge steel system, you have that advantage of basically you know, stacking the products. So I remember... The other thing... When we were talking with Fortress, I, I remember they said that they had gone with the, the tube steel... Uh, and that was more of a, a feel thing for the contractors because, like you mentioned before, they were trying to ease the transition between wood and steel. And what people are used to is a two by six, full on all sides, right? As opposed to the C channel. Yeah. Do you find usability in the field to be any different one way or the other, or is it just a matter of getting used to that open side on the C channel? And once you do, then it's fine. Yeah. So that's one of the things I would say that is a slight bit of a struggle. And that's one of the reasons why we didn't use ladder blocks uh, framing for the longest time was because we needed to have that flat side of the C channel on the outside so we can mount our fascia to it. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So we've now worked it. So we've inverted our C channel so we can do our box beam. And then we've basically um, just put in a, like a custom bent piece inside that C channel that makes it flush with the outside so we can attach our fascia to that. Right. Um, but yeah, that that's definitely, it's kind of one of the, the trickier points is um, basically dealing with that C channel and having an open flange on one side because you can't just, you know, straight put a piece to a piece. If it's a, like a flat piece onto a C channel, it's not going to go together, right? So right. It, it just takes a little bit more thought putting it together and how you're gonna how you're gonna do things, but uh, is there an like advantage in the end? With the C channel, the the joist to beam connection with a tube steel is you need a bracket there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With the C channel, are you allowed to just sink a screw through the through just one the, of your tech screws? Right? Yeah, like through the yeah, bottom exactly. bottom plate. You can do like that's okay. That's a, a compliant connection according to them. Yep. Perfect. So that's an advantage. Because that's yeah, less screws in a bracket, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And then so the other um, thing to that too is that everyone raves about like how flat um, a steel deck surface is, right? Mm-hmm. But if you start adding in brackets and stuff like that, you're you're adding elevation changes to that flat surface, right? That you'd either need to accommodate for, you know, um, taking out some of the back of the deck board to get it to sit flat or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, and that's one of the things that um, we've like, we've ch- kept on changing our design because originally our ledger was, um, it's called a track and the joist fits inside the track, right? But because the truck fits over top of the joist, you've then got that, uh, that 116th lip, um, which is probably isn't an issue to like to almost anyone or and no customer would ever notice it or say anything but it's like just one of those things in the back of my mind that it would it like it drove me crazy right so we had to you know redder out the back side um so it would sit perfectly flush so that's one of the things that we've changed now on the most recent build 
so that we can have, we basically uh, reverse the track or sorry, reverse the joist. And then we mount our joist directly into that joist so that it's perfectly flush all the way along the top. Right. Um, but it's like I said, the biggest thing is nobody has like, nobody's really done it other than Scott. So it's so hard to, yes, he's got many great ideas, but there's like, there's still so much room to, uh, to grow and improve with that product and without people like doing it and trying it, um, you're never going to know. Right. So I'm sure 20 years ago, nobody picture framed uh, a deck and then all of a sudden one person does it and it's like, Oh shit. Like that's what a difference that makes. Right. So the more people that get on board with it, the more people that get comfortable with it, it's only going to get easier and easier for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And as more and more guys get on the, on the bandwagon of doing it, there's going to be more brains, putting ideas together with how to work with it and make it work for everybody. Right. So the community will grow and we'll all benefit from it. And yep. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. so even like when Scott and I talk, um, like we do things a lot of the like similar ways, but then I'll, I'll mention, you know, one thing that I've tried and then he'd be like, okay, well that makes a little bit of sense. But what happens if you like tweaked it this little bit, a little bit more. And then like was sort of a, you know, a half decent idea just turned into a really good idea, right? Sure. Yeah. But without having those people to uh, like to collaborate with and everything, and a different set of eyes to look at it, it's hard to uh, like progress really quickly. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Well, Mike, this has been fantastic. I don't want to take much more of your time. We've had you for an hour and forty-five minutes here now. Um, I I thank you for being so willing to share your knowledge as well. Obviously. Um, you know, that first podcast we do with Scott about steel framing and all the options was one of our most listened to ones. So there's definitely an audience trying to learn about this stuff. He was a, a ridiculous wealth yeah. of knowledge and kind of started to open up the conversation, which which really started to drive a, like an industry-wide conversation, at least with the people that are on social media to, to be part of it. It's really kicked something off. I think having this yeah, conversation I, I, now... Like that whole conversation started from the Facebook groups too. Yeah. And you were asking about... Um, you know, different deck topics and stuff like that. And the steel was like one of the things I was interested in. So at that point I'd already been picking Scott's brain for quite a while, but I was like, you know, maybe it's a good idea to get him on the, on the podcast and then you can kind of just get the the whole thing going. And instead of asking a couple of different questions here or there, and you Mm -hmm. don't always know the exact things to ask, he can kind of just, spill the beans for three hours, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I know that we, like in the feedback we've gotten, we know that that helped a lot of people and, and answer a lot of questions. There's a lot of interest and I know that this episode will also do that. So thank you so much yeah. for giving us and, your time and yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So like, and obviously like the Instagram's huge. We've already had like every time we post a steel um, deck picture or whatever, it's like, it's our most engaged uh, topic. There's always like a million questions. People are always interested in about it. Um, so they can continue reaching out to myself or anyone else that's, you know, kind of doing it. Um, obviously, Cascade, Fence and Deck, they started getting into it. They had Scott out to their project um, to try and limit that learning curve for them. And it was funny because that exact same day, we had a local um, deck builder here that came to our site to see how we were doing because they were interested in steel framing as well. And, um, you know, you might as well learn from, uh, from my mistakes and save yourself some headaches and who knows, you might be a, after 10 decks, you'll probably be a lot further along than, uh, than I am. Right. So, yeah, there's certainly guys out there that are willing to share this information. So if, if, uh, 
if anybody is looking to bounce some ideas off or learn a little bit and it wasn't covered in this podcast, feel free to reach out to Mike on Instagram at SimcoDex. And like I said, Scott Kelly is always willing to, to share his knowledge as well at Precision Construction, both on Instagram. Um, you guys both post quite a bit. So even if you don't ask questions, you can learn just from sitting back and watching. But they're both open to helping everybody with uh, questions figuring out. I know the guys at Cascade, as they start to learn some things with steel as well, will also be willing to share. They'll like share for sure. three great guys or three yep. great crews, I should say, that are willing to share their mistakes and their learnings with everybody out there that is thinking about getting into the steel game. And the reason this is so topical right now is because it's primed and ready for it. With yep. the cost and the quality of lumber that's out there right now and the and the, the price gap closing, this conversation is a pretty easy one to have. So thanks, Mike, for giving us yeah, your time absolutely. today. We appreciate you sharing your knowledge and your time. And uh, until next week, everybody, take it easy. We'll be back next week with 122 because that's what happens after 121. Take it easy. Hey, thank you for listening to the Ultimate Deck Podcast. Now you know what we're about. Check the site, come and shop, ultimatedeckshop.com. Hit us right away for sponsorships or tell us if you want to collaborate. Let's go. Check us out on any social networks. Thank you for listening. He hung up. <laughs>